Well, in our message series, we're talking about understanding the end times. Actually, the, the term end times doesn't occur in the Bible, at least in the NIV translation. Most uh, translations we use, it generally uses the phrase, the last days. I'm really using the terms interchangeably, end times or last days. And why would we want to study the end times? Why would we under, understand what's going on? Well, many people think that the end times are way off in the future. I mean, just so far off in the future, we don't need to worry about it. And why should we waste time? They don't really have a practical relevance to our lives, people think. But in this message series, we've already established that according to the Bible, the last days are the times in which we are living. The last days, according to biblical terminology, spans a time between Jesus' ascension into heaven and when he's going to return again. And we live during that time span. That time span now is some 2,000 years long. We don't know how long it's going to be in the future. But the study of the last days is important to us because we live in the last days and the Bible has a lot to say about what's going to happen in the last days. And since that applies to us, we need to study it. Study it. Now the purpose of prophetic scripture is not to, to enable us to figure out exactly when things are going to take place. The purpose of prophetic scripture is not, not to make sure we get our charts right and have everything perfectly lined up. The purpose of prophetic scripture is to help us to live for and obey God right now right now in our lives. God wants us to understand how it affects us in the year 2014. The first verse we want to look at this morning is 2 Peter 3, verse 3 and 4. The Scriptures are written out in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. If you don't have that out, I'd encourage you to pull that out. Uh, you can take notes and put down the outline. We'll have some blanks for you to fill in, the, fill in as well as the Scriptures. On the back, of the white page is some study questions. It's a study guide. You can work on that on your own. We'll also be covering that in many of the life groups that meet during the week. We will be covering that tonight on the life group that meets on Sunday night here in the Chesterfield area. Second Peter 3 says, First of all, you must understand that in the last days, we are living in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. When we read this, the first thing we should think is, this applies to us. We live in the last days. And since we live in the last days, we can expect to deal with scoffers. Are, who are scoffers? Well, scoffers are, are basically unbelievers who make fun of believers. They make fun of the second coming of Jesus. So look, you know, history has been going on for thousands of years. It's going to continue for thousands of years. And, you know, Jesus said he's going to come back. It's been 2,000 years. It hasn't happened. We don't think it's ever going to happen. And so scoffers make fun of Jesus coming. They make fun of God's word. They say it's full of fairy tales. Only old-fashioned people believe in it. Has anybody heard or read any scoffers lately? If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll hear scoffers every day. Scoffing at the truth of God's word, scoffing at Jesus Christ, scoffing at 
the church. They're becoming increasingly bold all around us. Now we're going to be looking at this entire passage in 2 Peter 3 in an upcoming message. But today we want to understand that the, that the direction that history is moving in the last days, we want to understand that direction so that we can be alert, we can be on our guard, and we can follow God at this time. Everything is not going on as it has since the beginning. History is progressing. There's a story that is unfolding, and the Bible tells us about that story, and it tells us exactly where we're at in this time sequence. Just as an introduction, I'd like us to uh, watch a video called Coming Again about the signs of the times. Jesus is coming again, and we need to be ready. The Bible speaks of many signs that are going to happen in the last days before the coming of Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the signs of the times. Our passage begins in Mark chapter 13 in verse 1. It says, As he, that speaking of Jesus, was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. They were looking at the temple. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. We're going to be looking at this chapter in Mark chapter 13. It's kind of a long chapter and we're not going to cover everything in it. Now we're going to cover some of the most important points and some of the other points will be covered in other messages. But the passage begins with Jesus' disciples admiring this magnificent temple. I mean, it was truly magnificent at this point in history. It was covered in gold. It, it reflected the sunlight. It, it looked like heaven itself had come to earth. But Jesus replied as, this, as they were admiring this wonderful temple, he said, this temple that you see that looks so marvelous is going to be completely destroyed. Things aren't going to continue as they have in the past. Something terrible is going to happen. In verse 3, it goes on to say, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? What will be the sign that they, will, that they are all about to be fulfilled? So the disciples say, Jesus, if this is going to happen, when is this going to happen? I mean, this is almost too difficult to believe. I mean, this has been this way for hundreds and hundreds of years. What is the sign that this is going to happen? And so the rest of Mark chapter 13 is Jesus' answer to their questions. He explained to them that this temple, this magnificent temple in Jerusalem, was going to be destroyed during the time the current generation was alive. And he spoke to them about 30 A.D. And within 40 years, at 70 A.D., the Romans had come in and utterly destroyed the temple and the city itself. But Jesus' answer to the disciples was about more than simply the destruction of the temple. The answers that Jesus gave in this chapter describe the time of the destruction of the temple in 70 AD as a type of what's going to happen in the last days before the return of Jesus Christ. And so let's see how Jesus' words affect our lives in view of the future right now. St. Louis, Missouri in 2014. Jesus warns us, first and foremost, don't be deceived in the last days. 
Verse 5, Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. And so one of the characteristics of the last days is that many people are going to be deceived. In verse 22, which we are not reading right now, Jesus says that, the false, that false Christs and false prophets are going to come and they're going to even do signs and wonders to deceive people into following them and their teaching. And so what type of deception is Jesus talking about? He's talking about people being deceived regarding following a religion, a, a religious leader, a religious teaching that's not true. Something that is not based upon the Word of God. And as the last days continue, this type of deception will increase. Many today believe that all religions worship the same God. And that all religions provide a way to heaven. That is deception. That's not true. Many churches today say that they are Christian, claim to be Christian, but they are not. They do not teach the Word of God, and that is a deception. Most of the cults in this country claim to be Christian. The line is blurred. People don't understand. That is deception. Many Christian leaders today teach doctrine that is not in God's Word. That is also deception. And how can we watch out so that no one deceives us? Well, there's not a simple answer to that question, but first and foremost, we have to immerse ourselves in God's Word. We have to know God's Word. There's a great lack of knowledge of God's Word, and people just believe whatever they hear. It kind of sounds right, and they say, I believe that, when it's not in God's Word at all. We need to be committed to a biblical church, like Life Church, where we get godly biblical teaching from men and women of God. We need to learn to hear the voice of God's Spirit continually because God's Spirit will warn us about deceptive teaching, what is true and what is false. In the last days, wars are going to continue. Verse 7, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. I think it's interesting to say that here that Jesus says that wars and rumors of wars must happen. They are part of the last days. So don't be alarmed. Don't be disturbed by the violence of wars. They have to happen. War is sometimes necessary to protect even a godly nation from the evil ambitions of other nations. War is not wrong all the time. It's necessary in the evil time of the last days. Of course, if we look in the Old Testament, God commanded Israel to war many times. At other times, God brings judgment on ungodly nations through war. Wars are not outside of God's control. Wars will continue throughout the last days until the end. In the last days, birth pains will increase. Jesus goes on to say in verse 8, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famine. These are the beginning of birth pains. Underline the word beginning. There's a beginning and an end, isn't there, of birth pains. Besides wars and conflicts between kingdoms and nations, there will be upheavals in the natural order. Here it speaks of earthquakes and famines. Jesus cites those examples. Other 
prophetic scriptures talk about other things that happen in the natural order as the beginning of birth pains. And if there are birth pains, wouldn't you assume that something was getting ready to be birthed? Makes sense, doesn't it? What is going to be birthed at the end of time? Well, Romans 8, verse 18 and following tells us, it says, the entire creation is groaning in birth pains, waiting to be born into the glorious freedom of the children of God. In other words, the entire creation is waiting for the birth of the new heavens and new earth. It's waiting for the revealing of the children of God whose bodies are going to be transformed into resurrection bodies. A new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells. A new heavens and new earth where there is no curse, no more curse. You see, why are there wars? Why are there earthquakes? Why are there storms? Because the curse of sin that came in the Garden of Eden because of Adam and Eve's fall affects all of us. And one day we'll be birthed into a new world in which there is no more death. There is no more pain. There is no more suffering. And Jesus is going to reign on His throne. But that birthing process is going to be intense. It's going to be violent. And we're in the midst of the birth pains in these last days in which we live. All the forces of hell are poised to stop this birth. All the forces of hell are poised to try to wipe out the church and believers in these last days. And so there's intense warfare going on both in the spiritual realm and in the natural realm during the last days. So don't be deceived. Jesus has told us what to expect in the last days. Now let's think about a little bit more how we can escape deception. If Jesus told us that many are going to be deceived, how many won't be deceived? Fewer, right? If many are going to be deceived, less people are not going to be deceived. Less people are going to follow the way of the truth. A few are a minority, so don't follow the majority. It's going to lead you astray. You're going to end up being deceived. Invest time in studying God's Word for yourself. Understand that many churches and religious leaders, false Christs and false prophets, Jesus said, are going to be deceiving people and this is going to continue to increase. And let's not just be concerned about ourselves. Each of us has friends. Each of us has relatives. Each of us has neighbors. People we know who are at this present time being deceived. Let's help them. Let's help them find the truth. Lead them in the right way. Guide them to the truth of Jesus Christ and away from deception. And that brings us to the next command of Jesus for the end times. We are to be a witness for Jesus during these last days. Verse 9, Jesus says to His disciples and to us, if you're a believer today, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. This applies to you. You must be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues on account of me. You'll stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Now, of course, if we read through the book of Acts, we see how these exact things happened to the early disciples, to apostles. They stood before kings and councils. They were flogged. They were persecuted. 
But God's Word tells us that in the last days, every true believer will be persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. God's Word tells us that everyone who desires to live a holy life in the last days will be persecuted. And so the enemy will use the government. The enemy will use the courts. The enemy will use various political leaders to try to stop the spread of the gospel in the last days. At first, he'll try to confine the gospel just to this building. And this is going on right now in the United States. We can do whatever we want in this building, but if we go outside, you better watch out. You better be on your guard. But we are called to be witnesses. Even when we must stand before judges or councils or courts, Jesus tells us to be on our guard, but we mustn't cower in fear. We must be bold. We must be courageous to bear witness to Jesus Christ and the truth of God's Word in our society. We are to be witnesses for Jesus during these last days and spread the gospel to all nations. Jesus goes on to say in verse 10, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. First before what? Before the return of Christ. The gospel must be preached to every nation. And so that's God's objective in the last days. We've already talked about why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Because the gospel is still being preached. There's people who have not yet heard. There's still people to be saved. And until that last person that God has chosen to be saved is saved, when that last person is saved, Jesus will return. But the gospel is to be preached to all nations so that everyone has an opportunity to repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is being patient, giving lost people time and lost nations time to repent and to turn to Him. As we are witnesses, the Holy Spirit will guide us. Verse 11, Jesus says, Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus promises that in the last days, they're days of the Spirit. The Spirit empowers us to witness, and the Spirit will not leave us alone when we face hardship or persecution. The Spirit will give us words to say, words of witness, even in difficult times, even if we're arrested by the government, or even worse. You might say, well, Pastor Dan, you know, it's, it's really not that bad here. I don't really see anybody being persecuted well, the United States of America doesn't encompass the whole world, does it? There's a lot of things going on in the rest of the world that are horrific. There are things happening now to our Christian brothers and sisters across the world, especially at the hands of Muslims that are appalling. I'd like you to watch with me a video about a Christian in Syria. It's called Leanna's Prayer. Leanna and her family are being witnesses for Jesus in very difficult times, and so are many, many others. Pray for them. These things are going on right now in our world in ever-increasing numbers. There are more martyrs in recent years than they have been in many, in many years in the past. And then ask yourself the question, am I being a faithful witness for Jesus right now? 
The things arrayed against us here in the United States of America are far less than what they face in Syria and other parts of the Middle East. If not, ask God to help you to do your part. While there's still religious freedom in America to spread the gospel. And we must stand firm to the end. Jesus said in Mark 13, 13, All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And so as the last days continue, the enemies of the cross are going to hate all true believers. Their temptation will be to turn, turn away from loving Jesus so that we at least don't have others hate us. Temptation will be to hide our beliefs so that we can escape the hatred or wrath of others. But Jesus warns us, only those who stand firm in their belief, only those who stand firm in their witness to the very end will be saved. Those who renounce their faith, those who prefer the love of man to the love of God will be lost. So stand firm to the end in the last days, just as Leanna and her family have determined to do. In the last days, there will be days of great distress. It says in verse 19, there will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. What happened during the destruction of the Jerusalem temple in 70 AD by the Romans was horrific. You can read about it in the writings of Josephus, who lived through it. There was a famine. The Romans laid siege to the city for six months. Hundreds of thousands of people died in starvation and fighting one another and the Roman army coming against them. And eventually the city fell and the temple was destroyed. And why did that happen? It happened because it was the judgment of God coming upon Israel for refusing to acknowledge that their Messiah had come, that Jesus had come. And those days of distress in 70 AD are a foretaste of the coming and final judgment that will come upon the world for those who refuse to believe in Jesus. And so the Bible speaks of days of great distress, days of great tribulation before the return of Jesus Christ. But He is coming, and when He cometh, when he comes, it won't be a secret coming, but everyone will see Jesus' return. Verse 26, at that time men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. The first time that Jesus came, he came as a little baby. The second time he's going to come as a conquering king. Every eye is going to see him. It's not going to be a secret. He's going to come in judgment on sin and all evil. And when he comes, there's not going to be any more opportunity to believe or to repent. A person's beliefs in life will determine their eternal destiny. And when he returns, Jesus will gather all believers. says he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. So at the end of the last days, Jesus will return. He'll gather all believers, both those who have died and those who are alive, to be with him forever. And again, I'm leaving out a lot of details about which people disagree about the last, the exact order of events, but we're talking about things we know for sure that are going to happen. In a future message, we're going to be talking about the resurrection from the dead of the believers at the second coming. 
So he's going to gather believers who have died and those who are alive at his return. They're going to be all gathered to be with Jesus, to be with him forever and ever. And that return of Christ will usher in this new heavens and this new earth in which righteousness reigns. And so do believers. A place where all sin and all evil has been removed. A place of paradise restored once more. The true believers, the church, the bride of Christ, whatever you want to call it, will spend eternity with Jesus. And Jesus ends his teaching here in Mark 13, verse 33, and he says, Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. So we mustn't be thinking that, oh, it's way off in the future. It might be, or it might be this afternoon. The Bible teaches us, and Jesus teaches here, that the return of Christ is imminent. It means He could come back at any time. At some point, the Gospel will be preached to all nations. God knows that time Jesus will return. With today's technology, the means to reach people across the world has never been greater. I believe we're closer than ever to the return of Christ. And so we must be alert. We must be on guard. We must do what God calls us to do because Jesus is coming back. And so today we've looked at these teachings from Jesus in Mark 13. Here are some take-home points. Number one, don't be deceived. False teaching, false prophets, false leaders, don't be deceived. The upheaval that we see around us in the world are the birth pains of what's going to happen when Jesus returns. It's going to increase in intensity, but we must be faithful in our main task of being witnesses for Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is with us. He'll empower us. He'll guide us. He'll give us the strength to accomplish our mission, and the mission will be accomplished. The gospel will be preached to every nation before Jesus returns. And so stand firm to the end. Don't be discouraged. Don't be deceived. Don't go down the plug hole at things happening around the world or even in our country. Don't give up on your mission. Those who stand firm to the end will be saved and spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I'd like us to bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. The point of life is to believe in Jesus Christ. If there's anyone here who has not committed their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now. To do that, you need to simply admit that you've sinned. Ask Jesus to forgive your sins and invite Him into your life. So let's pray right now. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ in the past or you may feel like you've wandered away, now would be a great time to recommit your life or commit for the very first time. Pray something like this in your own mind. Father, Today, I believe. I choose to believe in Jesus. I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've not believed in Jesus Christ. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. I believe He rose from the dead and is alive today. Come into my life. I commit myself to following Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, today we thank you for this teaching of Jesus in the last days. 
Help us not to obsess over prophetic timing or getting every last detail straight or arguing with others about the things that we're not so sure about. Show us how your word teaches us to live our lives today. I pray, God, that each person here would guard themselves against deception by studying your word. And rather than being alarmed and grumbling and moaning about the affairs of our world, may we seize the opportunities to be witnesses for Jesus in our day, in our time. Help Life Church, God, to be a powerful witness in these last days through the truth of Jesus in the St. Louis area. And I pray that each believer here would make a commitment in their own lives to remain firm to the end in their faith even though persecution may increase as the last days come closer to their end. We thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit who empowers us and gives us the words to say to those around us that can make an eternal difference in their lives. We thank you that one day Jesus will come back and he'll take us home with him to live forever and ever. May we be alert. May we be in our guard. May we expectantly wait for His return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.